Hello, and thank you for joining us once again this week. This is Stephanie Colvin, and I will be your host. This is LDS Real People, Real Lives Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us again. And if you're new, welcome. I'd like to share a soundbite from Elder Dallin H. Oaks. Listen in. that we will not let the challenges and temporary diversions of mortality cause us to forget our covenants and lose sight of our eternal destiny. We who know God's plan for his children, we who have covenanted to participate, have a clear responsibility. We must desire to do what is right and we must do all that we can in our circumstances in mortality. In all of this, we should remember King Benjamin's caution to see that all these things are done in wisdom and order, for it is not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. I think of that inspired teaching whenever I feel inadequate, frustrated, or depressed. I just love Dylan Oaks, don't you? He always gives us to us straight. And you know what? He often gives me the um, same feeling that I get when I'm listening to Brigham Young. I love his fierceness, how direct he is, and how simple he makes the gospel. Um, this week, the topic is, we need faithful men. In the 13th article of faith, it says, we believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, and virtuous. Being is more than how you act. It is who you are. Being honest, true, chaste, and so on makes you different from most men. When others see the good qualities in you, they will want what you have. As you learn your priesthood duties and act upon them, you will change. As you go about doing good to all men, you will bless and change people's lives. Becoming a faithful priesthood man by the Young Men General Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is a talk that they gave back in January of 2011, and I believe it was from the men's conference in January of 2011. And I love what they said because this so reminds me of my husband. It actually talks a little bit about this in his patriarchal blessing that as he exercises the priesthood, that he will come to learn more and that his testimony and faith will deepen and grow and that his understanding and his power for discernment will grow as well. And these things are so important for us to have as we navigate this journey here on earth and find joy in the journey as we're moving along. Um, I think my husband's also a really good example of this because he's a quiet example, uh, very introverted. He's kind of just caught up in his head, so he tends to be very quiet. But um, I think because of that and just his general presence, he has got a spirit that just emanates from him, that people are very much attracted to him. They like to watch him and see what he's doing. They like to observe him. And he is a very, very good example of a worthy man who holds the Melchizedek Priesthood in Christ Church here on earth. And I'm grateful to have a husband stand next to me who I can respect and look up to and honestly who just makes me a better woman, a better mom, a better wife, and a better daughter of God. President Kimball said, all worthy men may use the priesthood to bless others. So I got me thinking, how often do we need worthy men to do the Lord's work and why is it so important? 
What do they do that affects our eternal life? And as I was researching these questions and kind of digging into uh, the many resources that we have, being Latter-day Saints, this is what I found. The Lord has used his faithful, worthy disciples to warn the inhabitants of the earth repeatedly. And it covers all peoples because everyone is God's spirit son or daughter. Gender here is key. The Lord has also used his prophets to bring these warnings to the people. For the prophet of God is the sound of the trump we hear so often about in the scriptures, which is the word of God. We need worthy men. And we have worthy men who can fulfill these callings, these roles, these foreordained positions to lead and guide us as we know that the gospel will not leave the earth again and that Christ will come and that we can find reassurance in knowing that we will always have a prophet to lead and guide us and will never lead us astray. A good example of this, of course, is Joseph Smith. As we continue to study out Doctrine and Covenants this year, um, I've read Doctrine and Covenants before, but this year it's just hitting me so much differently. And I absolutely appreciate and, and just have so much love for him. I respect his guts and his courage, his bravery, his faith, his humility and meekness. And we know that he's done more for us, God's children here on earth, second only to Jesus Christ himself. Joseph Smith restored the gospel, and he did this with guts and glory, faith and love for God, Christ, and all that is holy. He did it imperfectly, but he did and gave every inch of his best that he had to offer to the Lord. And I am so grateful for his very real example to us that we can look to him and see him for the prophet and disciple of Christ that he was and is, but also his imperfections and his flaws and how he used the gospel to continue to push forward, to repent, and to make course corrections when needed. In Doctrine and Covenants, um, section 1, verse 4, it says, And the voice of warning shall be unto all people by the mouths of my disciple, whom I have chosen in these last days. And then we can move down to verse 11. Wherefore, the voice of the Lord is unto the ends of the earth, that all that will hear me hear. And then we move to verse 14. And the arm of the Lord shall be revealed, and the day cometh, that they who will not hear the voice of the Lord, neither the voice of his servants, neither give heed to the words of the prophets and apostles shall be cut off from among the people. You see how important the men are. We need you guys. You are enough. You're never going to be perfect. The Lord is not looking for perfect saints. He is just looking for faith-filled saints with a willing heart. And we need you. The Lord has always used his worthy men to warn and counsel his children here on earth. And Ezra Taft Benson, um, of course, was a perfect example of this. And it is my deepest wish and desire that the Spirit can work with you, that you can hear the message that you need to hear this day 
to help you in your life in some way to uplift and edify and to strengthen your faith and testimony. And most of all, to help you to understand and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt with great conviction how much we need you worthy men. We cannot do this without you. The plan of salvation and happiness would be frustrated without you. President Benson warned the nations around the globe and he said to forsake their evil ways and humble themselves before the God of heaven. He warned that if they and their people fail to repent, that there will follow terrible judgments and calamities as the wicked reap the whirlwind. He goes on to say, the voice of warning is to all people by the mouths of his servants. If this voice is not heeded, the angels of destruction will increasingly go forth and the chastening hand of almighty God will be felt upon the nations as decreed until a full end thereof will be the result. Wars, devastation, and untold suffering will be your lot, except you turn unto the Lord in humble repentance. Destruction, even more terrible and far-reaching than attended the last great war, will come with certainty unless rulers and people alike repent and cease their evil and godless ways. God will not be mocked. He will not permit the sins of sexual immorality, secret murderous combinations, the killing of the unborn, and disregard for all his holy commandments and the messages of his servants to go unheeded without grievous punishment for such wickedness. The nations of the world cannot endure in sin. The way of escape is clear. The immutable laws of God remain steadfastly in the heavens above. When men and nations refuse to abide by them, the penalty must follow. They will be wasted away, and sin demands punishment. When the voice of warning goes forth, it is always attended by testimony. In the declaration issued by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ in 1845, this is the testimony which was born, and we who are the apostles today renew it as our witness." End quote. Now this was quite some time ago, um, I want to say decades ago, and look at how much the world has changed. Did anyone heed the counsel of the prophet, President Ezra Taft Benson? Where are we at today because of what we did in the past? And the men of this world, the men in our families, the men in our wards, the men in our communities, we need you. We need you as you are worthy and stalwart and faithful and repentant and humble and loving and kind. We look to you. And there are many who look to you, especially the youth, the children, both boys and girls, as they seek and need to have these positive role models in their lives. The world has not seen a more important time when we needed the saving truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ besides the days of Noah. And this is why we have young boys being raised with the expectation of serving the Lord and saving their spirit family. There has been no greater work than the gathering of God's children. And it's not a coincidence that the calling, the trump has been sounded to the men of the Lord's church here on earth to go and spread the gospel. This is one of the greatest works that need to be done as we fulfill Latter-day prophecies as the gospel will reach all nations, kindreds, tongue, and people.
the trump of God must be sounded to everyone. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 104, it says, And this shall be the sound of his trump, saying to all people, both in heaven and in earth, and that are under the earth forever, here shall hear it, and every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess while they hear the sound of the trump saying, Fear God and give glory to him who sitteth upon the throne forever and ever, for the hour of his judgment has come. I apologize about the background noise. Always so hard for me to find a private moment in my home. Being from a beach town, we don't have air conditioning. And there are... Uh, lawn yard workers on both sides of us at both uh, neighbors so I apologize about that so going back to Doctrine and Covenant section 88 verse 104 that I just read um, they're talking about that the hour of judgment has come and the elders of the church have been given the responsibility to raise that warning voice and this is even more reason why we need you men um, worthy men to hold and fulfill these roles and these callings so that the kingdom of God and Christ can continue to move forward on earth. There was a need for more worthy men at one time, and in 1978, President Kimball went to the Lord and he prayed with all he had by the Spirit of God. He prayed with the Spirit, by the Spirit, to know what to ask. And he was given to ask about withdrawing the command that black men could not hold the higher priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood. I read recently that um, since the days of Adam and Eve, there's always been a group of people who have not been um, given permission or allowed to hold the higher priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood. And at this point in time, under President Kimball, who was the prophet of the Lord at that time in 1978, he went to the Lord in prayer and the revelation was the Lord in his utter perfection and omniscience instructed the prophet while confirming to all of the others who were there, including 10 apostles and I believe his two counselors, to lift the ban and allow the higher Melchizedek priesthood to be given to all worthy men the Lord requires faithful, honorable, worthy servants, and it was time, as he knows all, and he is all wise. Priesthood holy men do so, so very much for us, and this is why we need them. We cannot obtain eternal life and salvation without them and the authority of God, which is the priesthood. They baptize, teach, minister, they lead, sit on councils, perform saving ordinances and endowments, hold callings and positions, which most are very time consuming and require a lot of sacrifices. Most of the time, the sacrifice is time with their family. We are so grateful for their service and all that they do. Recently, I was in the hospital and I spoke a little bit about this last week um, in the episode last week and I needed a blessing. I needed one desperately. I was pushed beyond my ability to bear the experience as just before that had happened, I was already completely overwhelmed with my life and the things that were going on before the um, health crisis hit. 
So a good friend of mine who's actually been on the podcast a few times came over to our home and gave me a blessing with my husband. I found it interesting that he said in the blessing repeatedly to get restful sleep and to make sure that I got enough sleep to take care of myself and all will be well. And this gave me so much comfort. I am so thankful for worthy men who can give us access to the powers of heaven here on earth. And I cannot wait to get back to the temple. I'm so excited for the temple to reopen. Um, From the family proclamation, the first command given to man is to procreate, which was given to Adam and Eve together, women and men. You cannot have one without the other. If one chose a different path, as we have so many options in the world, it would have frustrated the plan of happiness, which is the plan of God. The command is to multiply and replenish the earth. Husband and wife have a solemn duty to love one another and care for each other, as well as their children. And men are to teach their children to love and serve one another, to provide for their physical and spiritual needs, and to rear their children in love and righteousness. And then, of course, to observe the commandments of God. It says in the family proclamation, by divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. Once again, the gospel simple, and I love how everything is completely spelled out for us. It's not mysterious. It's not confusing. We know exactly what we need to do. I wanted to share a few quotes that I had come across that I thought was very touching and heartwarming um, from prior prophets that we've had that have talked about the need that we have for faithful, worthy men. And I'm going to start off with President Harold B. Lee. He says, from my experience, it would seem that faithful mothers have a special gift that we often refer to as mother's intuition. Perhaps with the great blessing of motherhood, Our Heavenly Father has endowed them with this quality. Since fathers, busy in priesthood callings and with the work of earning a livelihood, never draw quite as close to heavenly beings in matters that relate to the more intimate details of bringing up children in the home. And then we have President Spencer W. Kimball who said, In his wisdom and mercy, our Father made men and women dependent on each other for the full flowering of their potential. Because their natures are somewhat different, they can complement each other. Because they are in many ways alike, they can understand each other. Let neither envy the other for their differences. Let both discern what is superficial and what is beautifully basic in those differences and act accordingly. Continuing on, President Spencer W. Kimball also said, We had full equality as his spirit children. We have equality as recipients of God's perfected love for each of us. Within those great assurances, however, our roles and assignments differ. These are eternal differences, with women being given many tremendous responsibilities of motherhood and sisterhood, and men being given the tremendous responsibilities of fatherhood and the priesthood. I totally, totally agree. And I'm so grateful for the wisdom and for their worthiness to serve and to lead us here on the earth. Each of these quotes comes from a prophet during a particular dispensation and time here on earth, 
All of them are um, prophets after Joseph Smith. And I love how they clearly define the genders, which I think right now in the world, we're dealing with a lot of confusion. My heart really goes out to the younger generation because they are being taught here in California that there are many different genders, that we are supposed to use the right pronouns. People get easily offended if you don't. And um, this is why I so much appreciate the gospel, um, the family proclamation to the world, among other resources that we've been given that teach us clearly the difference between men and women, that we have so many similarities and yet important differences that bring us together. And that's why we cannot have one without the other. We need faithful men. President Howard W. Hunter said, I suppose you would say it's It is a man's viewpoint to throw a burden upon a woman to maintain the stability and the sweetness of marriage, but this seems to be her divine nature. She has a superior spirituality in the marriage relationship and the opportunity to encourage, uplift, teach, and to be the one who sets the example in the family for righteous living. When women come to the point of realizing that it is important, more important to be superior than to be equal, They will find the real joy in living those principles that the Lord set out in his divine plan. It seems strange that women want to enter into professions and into work and into places in society on an equality with men, wanting to dress like men and carry on men's work. I don't deny the fact that women are capable of doing so, but as I read the scriptures, I find it hard to reconcile this with what the Lord has said about women. And what he has said about the family, what he has said about children, it seems to me that in regard to men and women, even though they might be equal in many things, there is a differentiation between them that we fully understand. I hope the time never comes when women will be brought down to the level with men, although they seem to be making these demands in meetings held all over the world. I'm not quite sure when um, President Hunter said this. Uh, what year he said this, but now that we're in 2021 and we've seen the after uh, effects of uh, women throughout the world, especially, you know, here in the United States demanding to have equality with men, um, you know, I think on some of those platforms, definitely necessary, especially when it came to, you know, particulars that um, maybe put women um, a little bit lower um, on the totem pole for whatever reason and that that was just wrong. But we've got to be careful what we ask for. When we start asking for things that just do not belong and are unnatural in the plan of salvation, there are gonna be consequences that come with those choices and those requests and demands. And um, I'm not sure that we're gonna like those consequences. So let us be wise and prayerful when we want changes or we want to Uh, do things that um, maybe are more defined by a male role and um, make sure that we're considering who we are, what the purpose is of our life here on earth, and if our request and our desire falls in line with the Spirit of God. President James E. Faust said, Before we were born, male and female, we made certain commitments and agreed to come to this earth with great, rich, but different gifts. And we were called male and female to do great works with separate approaches and separate assignments. Becoming like men is not the answer. 
Rather, the answer lies in being who you are and living up to your divine potential by fulfilling eternal commitments. All of you will have to sometime answer to your natural womanly instincts, which the prophet Joseph said are according to your natures. And he said, if you live up to your privileges, the angels cannot be restrained from being your associates. You should respond generously to those instincts and promptings to do good. Hold your soul very still and listen to the whisperings of the Holy Spirit. Follow the noble, intuitive feelings planted deep within your souls by deity in the previous world. In this way, you will be responding to the Holy Spirit of God and will be sanctified by truth. And by so doing, you will be eternally honored and loved. Much of your work is to enrich mankind with your great capacity for care and mercy. Once again, a great reminder, we each have the light of Christ. We each have that spirit of conscience that's going to push us and direct us in the right directions to choose the right and to do the things that are of most worthy to Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us follow that conscience that comes from the light of Christ. President Boyd K. Packer says the tender hand of the sister gives a gentle touch of healing and encouragement, which the hand of a man, however well-intentioned, can never quite duplicate. In the home and in the church, sisters should be esteemed for their very nature. Be careful lest you unknowingly foster influences and activities which tend to erase the masculine and feminine differences nature has established. A man, a father, can do much of what is usually assumed to be a woman's work. In turn, a wife and a mother can do much and in time of need, most things, usually considered the responsibility of the man without jeopardizing their distinct roles. Even so, leaders and especially parents should recognize that there is a distinct masculine nature and a distinct feminine nature essential to the foundation of the home and the family. Whatever disturbs or weakens or tends to erase that difference erodes the family and reduces the probability of happiness for all concerned. That was from President Packer in a conference talk in 1998. My how society has changed. Attitudes have changed. And we need to be very wary of the things that we are doing and inviting into our homes. We want to be respectful of one another and the differences between male and female. We do not want to minimize the masculine role within the house. And just a side note, I just want to talk about my own experience. My first marriage, I was young. I thought I knew everything. I was so ignorant and quite frankly stupid. I didn't know anything. I didn't give any time or patience to my first husband. I had high expectations. After all, I was working my, my tush off, um, taking care of these kids, making a home, and doing everything that goes along with that. And, and ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, you know that that requires a lot of different hats. Unfortunately, I did not exercise patience or long suffering or even some understanding. My expectations were high, and when my husband did not meet it at the time, it always inevitably led to a fight or some type of difference of opinion that was that invited tension into our marriage, into our home, 
and it just it it simply was just no fun it just always felt uncomfortable and as a matter of fact as time went on I just couldn't stand being at home and so I'm talking to both brothers and sisters we need to make sure that we are working with our partners and our spouses in a way that encourages them in the right direction instead of berating and expecting them to respond and make a course correction. Um, I can see why my first husband, quite frankly, didn't want to be with me anymore. Of course, that was over 23 years ago. I've lived a long life so far and I've learned a lot. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot more in the next 30, 40 years, depending on how long I live. But that was one of the biggest mistakes that I made was made was this just this constant high expectations that I had for him. And quite frankly, with his personality and the way he was, he just could not meet it. And his best was just never good enough. And that was toxic. And I have since apologized for that as I've grown and matured, especially when I return back to the gospel. Um, there's no greater way to change behavior than to study the gospel out. And I firmly believe in that. There is a distinct masculine nature and a distinct feminine nature essential to the foundation of the home and family. And um, we need to remember that it's important that we each individually fulfill the roles that we have. And then together as man and wife, we can fulfill that role as well. Um, I've learned this in my third marriage because my husband and I have been together now for 10 years. We were sealed in the temple. And um, what I've learned is that because we're both devoted and really active in the gospel of Jesus Christ, our desires are there. The actions are there. Our whole heart is in it as best as we can be. It's really blessed our lives and given us direction and really helped us to understand that I don't need to be like him. He doesn't need to be like me. I don't need to try to change him. He doesn't need to try to change me. But there's definitely a need for communication and compromise and turning to the Lord, allowing the Lord into our relationship and consulting with the Spirit of God and how we should be handling certain things so that we can have that unity within our home. President Thomas S. Monson said when he was actually an apostle, so this was quite some time ago, he says, what the modernists, even the liber liberationists fail to remember is that women, in addition to being persons, also belong to a sex and that with the differences in sex are associated important differences in function and behavior. Equality of rights does not imply identity of functions. As Paul the Apostle declared, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. It is so important that we remember this. And if there is, there's always going to be something within the marriage that you have to work on, that you have to get better at, or maybe that you need to start doing. The best way to do that is to be team players and to introduce it in a way, trying to rally support from the other partner and looking for ways that you can institute this, get to work on it and do it in a way that is enjoyable and is uniting. That unity in a marriage, unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable when there's that unity in the marriage and it trickles down to the children. Elder Boyd K. Packer said, except Adam and Eve by nature be different from one another, they could not multiply and fill the earth. 
The complementing differences are the very key to the plan of happiness. So some roles are best suited to the masculine nature and others to the feminine nature. Once again, we're reminded that there is a purpose to the differences in gender, male and female. And this is not to be confused, but the adversary being the adversary, he does what he does best and he changes things imperceptibly over time, a little here and a little there. Just as much as we learn the gospel a little here and a little there, the adversary loves to mimic and copy the Lord. Next thing you know, you look down the road 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and you realize how all of a sudden you got in the most foreign place that you could ever imagine, but that you can reflect and have that 2020 perception and say, wow, the adversary, Lucifer, he's smart and he tricked us and he's tricked our society in so many different ways. Elder Oaks says, we live in a day when there are many political, legal, and social pressures for changes that confuse gender and homogenize the differences between men and women. Our eternal perspective sets us against changes that alter those separate duties and privileges of men and women that are essential to accomplish the great plan of happiness. We do not oppose all changes in the treatment of men and women since some changes in laws or customs simply correct old wrongs that were never grounded in eternal principles. Oaks, powerful and so wise and he's so, so correct. There were things that needed to be corrected that were based off of old wrong traditions. But let us not go to the extreme on the other side of that. We need to find that balance. And I'd like to finish with a quote from Elder Richard G. Scott. Our Heavenly Father endowed his sons and daughters with unique traits especially fitted for their individual responsibilities as they fulfill his plan. To follow his plan requires that you do those things he expects of you as a son or daughter, husband or wife, and those roles are different but entirely compatible. In the Lord's plan, it takes two, a man and a woman, to form a whole. Side note, you see how everything always leads back to the plan of salvation? In pretty much every single quote, their point leads back to the plan of salvation going back to the quote by Elder Scott. Indeed, a husband and wife are not two identical halves, but a wondrous, divinely determined combination of complementary capacities and characteristics. Marriage allows these different characteristics to come together in oneness, in unity, to bless a husband and wife, their children and grandchildren. For the greatest happiness and productivity in life, both husband and wife are needed. Their efforts interlock and are complementary. Each has individual traits that best fit the role the Lord has defined for happiness as a man or woman. And when used as the Lord intends, those capacities allow a married couple to think, act, and rejoice as one, to face challenges together and overcome them as one, to grow in love and understanding, and through temple ordinances to be bound together as one, whole eternally and that is the plan you can learn how to be more effective parents by studying the lives of adam and eve adam was michael who helped create the earth a glorious superb individual eve was his equal a full powerfully contributing partner after they had partaken of the fruit the lord spoke with them 
Their comments reveal some different characteristics of a man and woman. To Adam he said, Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? Now Adam's response was characteristic of a man who wants to be perceived as being as close to right as possible. And Adam had responded, The woman thou gavest me and commandest that she should remain with me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto Eve, What is this thing which thou hast done? And Eve's response was characteristic of a woman. Her answer was very simple and straightforward. The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Just let that kind of sink in and swirl around your brain and come together like a soup of wonderful counsel, wisdom, knowledge. I kind of feel like it was almost like a mic drop. Um, I know that sometimes living in California, I can feel that I'm very isolated from the rest of the world. Even here in the United States, other states are living very differently than we're living. And um, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I always have the prophet to look to, that I have the apostles who are there for us, who teach and counsel and who are doing the best they can to also lead. I am grateful for our sick presidency and our bishopric. And I'm grateful for, you know, even in seminary, we just returned to seminary this week, actually in the church building. And there's only one class going. It's my class and the um, wonderful sister that I co-teach with. There are about eight or nine students that show up Monday through Thursday at 6.30 in the morning. And yet this one gentleman shows up every single day, like clockwork, very dependable at 6.20, so that we can open up the building and teach seminary to these young men and women. And I'm grateful for his sacrifices. I'm grateful that he does this. Because if he didn't, we couldn't go into the building. And I'm not sure if we could really find someone else being from the town that we're from, which is kind of a small town, if we could find someone else to do that. So I am grateful for his sacrifice and I'm grateful for his worthiness and his devotion to the Lord, his willingness, his righteous desires that he has. And that's just one example. Um, I gave a few examples earlier of my husband. Another person that really comes to mind is my uh, second to oldest or younger brother. He is, he loves the gospel and I know he tries super hard. He tries really, really hard to be honorable and to honor his marriage and his family. His wife is going through a lot right now. She has um, some health issues that are pretty major and it's affecting their family, especially with COVID. Um, we have not been able to see them and uh, it's just a lot and yet here he is doing exactly what the Lord has asked him to do it's not been easy and I know that he's extremely tired but he's doing the right thing he's doing what the Lord has asked him to do he's doing that's the key is that he's doing and then that he's doing what's right it's so important that we see TR we have to see TR and when we don't make the right decision at first, let us repent and make that course correction and do what's right next. Just the best that we can. I hope whoever's been listening today has been able to find something within this message 
that has been enriching to you, that's helped you maybe understand more, um, whatever it is that you need to understand that um, gives value to the men in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the kingdom of Christ here on earth, who work so hard to be worthy. They're imperfect, just like we all are, but we could not do this without them. They need us and we need them. And I'm so grateful for their sacrifices and their devotion and their commitment, their example, especially to the youth that we have growing up in the church. You know, the youth, they look to us and they see the women. They see us there. They know what we're doing, that we're constantly doing and going and we're being and we're involved. It seems like pretty much everything that's going on in the church they need to see that with the men too. And I'm going to say this, and it may not be popular, and I wouldn't be surprised if I got emails getting upset with me or disagreeing, but I do see more women who are active in the church and doing more service roles than men. Again, this could be a, a demographic thing. It could be any number of reasons why it is that way. But we need you men. We need worthy capable, believing, faithful men. And I know that you guys are out there and the ones that are doing it, I see you and I'm so grateful for you. And I just hope with my whole heart that your example will resonate with those who see and watch you and with the youth and the church and that it will be a blessing to you and to them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I have so much fun doing these episodes and learning so much, um, even preparing for this episode. I came across so much information from uh, church leaders back in the 50s and the 60s and 70s. And I just thought, wow, how much have we changed in this society? And it's only been like 50, 60 years and we have changed. It seems like it's been, you know, a century or two. And that's how quickly things are moving forward. So let us square our shoulders and determine to serve the Lord this day and push forward valiantly. If you need help, you have questions, or if you even just like to get things off your chest, please do not hesitate to DM me on Instagram at LDSRPRL podcast. And that stands for LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. Or you can email me at ldsrealpeoplereallives at gmail.com. Again, that's plural. ldsrealpeoplereallives at gmail.com. As always, I love hearing from you guys. Thank you so much for your love and support. Please continue to send me messages. And if there's anything that I can cover that would be of value to you, please do not hesitate to send me a message or email. I read each and every one. I may not be able to get to it quickly within a 24-hour period, but I promise you, I read each and every one. Thank you for your faith. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your discipleship. And thank you for your time. May it bless you. And I look forward to our relationships on the other side of the veil. I know that when we see each other, we will recognize each other. And these will be eternal relationships. And I'm grateful for this knowledge. You guys stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Until next week, much love and God bless.